But y'all can take a seat. Um, <laughs> I'm excited. I get to do, like, wear lots of hats. Uh, I get to introduce to you guys uh, Maury. Dave is out in, uh, in Guatemala right now with the advanced team for the, the missions trip we're going to go on, uh, I guess, in March it is. And uh, so we get the chance to hear from one of our own, Maury. I'm excited. He, he plays bass and electric with us sometimes, and his wife, Linda, plays keys. Um, and so it's exciting. Uh, he's a chaplain and uh, just a great guy. Um, got, got to get to know him a little bit uh, this last year. And so uh, if you guys will welcome Maury. All right. Good morning. God bless you and Merry Christmas. Um, I'm from Texas, born and raised down in Houston. Went to school in Austin, a little school called the University of Texas. Y'all heard of it? And uh, my mother lives over in Nacogdoches County in Cushing, Texas. And we were away from Texas for 14 years doing the Army thing, multiple deployments, et cetera. And it's great to be back at the great place right here in uh, Fort Hood, Texas. And uh, my wife, Linda's here with me this morning and our girls. I have three kids in college right now, but I'll say more about that in just a minute. I want to talk today about authentic joy. We're making our way through the Advent series. You see the candles down here representing love, hope, joy, peace, and then the Christ candle on Christmas Day. So today we're looking at authentic joy. The scripture reading in your Bible is from Luke chapter 2. There's Bibles on the pews in front of you. When I grab a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 2. By the way, out at Fort Hood, what I do is I train chaplains and chaplain assistants that are going downrange. So all the guard, National Guard and Reserve units that come to Fort Hood for mobilization training, I work with them to get them up to the Army standard, to get them ready to go downrange and provide religious support to our warriors uh, who are defending freedom. And I love my job. And it's important to love your job because that's one of the important joys of life. Luke chapter 2 is a story about joy. It's one of my favorite readings not just because Linus read it on, you know, the Charlie Brown Christmas, which always I could just, I love that part, uh, but it, it's a powerful reading for the ages. Listen and hear the good news. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard, as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We love Grace Bible Church. Our family loves Grace Bible Church. Uh, ever since we started coming here about a year and a half ago, we just instantly connected. We love the worship. We love the word. We love the people. But I, I was reflecting on why do I like it so much? And I think I like Grace, Grace Bible. It's Dave's great too, you know. Uh, but what I like most about Grace Bible Church is authentic Christianity. It's authentic. It's real. It's not fake, it's not pretend, it's not an image, it's not a projection, it's, it's who we really are. Uh, believers following Jesus Christ, being real. And what I like about Christmas, I love the decorations. By the way, what's up with this one tree over here? It looks like it got stretched in the middle. and We need, we need to find one more string of lights uh, and put around that tree. But I love, I love the trees, I love the decorations, I love the gingerbread cookies which my wife has been cooking. I love the pumpkin pie that my daughter's been cooking. I uh, love the family get-togethers. Our family's getting together. We move around. My brothers are all over the country, so this year we're going to Virginia, Chesapeake for Christmas to be with them. Love all that, but I love most about Christmas is it's a story of joy. It's a season of joy. But joy can be a challenge. Joy can be a challenge if it's not authentic. And it can also be interrupted by tragedy, like the, the shootings in Connecticut. It can be interrupted by trauma, can be erupt, interrupted, and we can lose our peace. We can lose our joy. When I think about what brings authentic joy to me, I reflect on a question that my youngest daughter recently asked me, and that's, Dad, what have been the most meaningful events in your life? And I thought, wow, that's easy. The birth of each one of my children. There's something about the birth of a child that's remarkable, amazing, makes an impression on you. It changes your life. I remember holding my, my firstborn son in my hands. I remember thinking, wow, this is the first thing that I've ever had that doesn't require batteries. <laughs> it was awesome. Here's a picture of my kids. About 10 years ago, uh, we, were, we made a trip up to uh, Glacier National Park. Anybody know where that is? It's in Montana. It's just northwest a little bit of Yellowstone National Park. And so we were up in Yellowstone National Park, and we thought, hey, why not go the extra distance and go to Glacier National Park? So this photo is uh, in a 500-year-old forest where they have not had a forest fire in all of that time. Lots of fires down in Yellowstone, not many up here in Glacier. And uh, we wanted to see if we could hold hands and ring around the tree. Couldn't make it with the kids. But once Linda and I jumped in there, we got all the way around the tree. But that's a picture uh, that brings me a great deal of joy because it reminds me of 
all of the family camping trips that we've been on all the time that we've spent together. What brings me authentic joy? My family, my marriage of 28 years to Linda, and my salvation. The Westminster Confession, question number one says, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So the Christian life is to be a life where we enjoy, we live with contentment and joy, not constantly striving, constantly frustrated, constantly angry, constantly upset, constantly fighting, but a life of contentment and joy. The Heidelberg Catechism puts it this way, question number one, what is your only comfort in life? The answer is that Jesus Christ has fully paid for all of my sins and that nothing can separate me from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ. That is my joy. That's my bedrock. That's my foundation. So authentic Christianity is characterized by joy. It is real. It is not constant. It's not nirvana because if we're real and we're boots on the ground Christians, we're going to interact and intersect with people who are suffering. And where there is trauma, where there is tragedy, where there is difficulty, where there are trials and tribulations. And we will have them too. Joy is the opposite of sorrow. But to be fully experienced, joy must be understood as the companion of sorrow. See, authentic spirituality, authentic Christianity embraces both joy and sorrow. Joy and sorrow. And they will both come to us all in this life. Americans are not very good at sorrow and grief. Everything that we do in the media and in culture is about being happy and about being fine. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm okay. You're okay. Everything's great. We're not taught as children how to suffer. We're not familiar with grief and with sorrow. And so when it comes to us, we don't always know what to do with it. But Jesus was familiar with grief. Isaiah 53, the psalm of the suffering servant says that he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. So if we're following Jesus, we will probably encounter grief and sorrow. The birth of Jesus was surrounded by joy and glory and angels, and shepherds, and magi, but also with sorrow and tragedy. Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 to 18. Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 to 18. This story is traditionally referred to as the slaughter of the innocents. King Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old or older or under, according to the time that he had been ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. 
So at the very birth of Jesus, around about that time, was this great tragedy. And it tells me, it informs me that all through history, there have been tragedies and traumas in the world. So when things happen like the shooting in Connecticut, we have context. The Christmas story speaks to our tragedy, our trauma, our sorrow, our grief, and our sufferings. And so we can say to folks who go through those hard times, there is hope, there is joy on the other side. This may not be a very Merry Christmas for those folks in Connecticut, but there will be other Christmases. On a lighter note, have you ever had a dog that you gave it the wrong name? Like Courage the Cowardly Dog? Uh, we had a dog once. We got a dog. He's an East Texas dog. He's a country dog. And the kids were little. So we really wanted to have a happy dog. So we named the dog Happy. But this was the grumpiest dog I have ever seen in my whole life. When I would come home from work, what do you expect your dog to do? Come up and be the best friend of man, right? Wagging his tail, greeting you, jumping on you, saying hello. This dog would sit in the corner and growl at me. <laughs> to pet him, you had to wear one of those hawk gloves, you know? Those protective gloves. Hey, happy, how you doing today? Grumpy dog. And this illustrates how authentic joy and authentic sorrow are important. People can sense when it's not authentic. And the gospel calls us to be authentic Christians. The worst thing that we can ever present is hypocrisy, which is not authentic. So we have authentic joys and we have authentic sorrows. And an answer to this authentic sorrow is authentic comfort. Isaiah prophesies in chapter 40, Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her injury is pardoned, that she's received from the Lord's hand double from all her sins. Mary sings. It's called the Magnificat. Mary sings. It means magnify. She sings in the gospel. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for who, he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. All generations will recognize Mary as blessed because she was the mother of Jesus. Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband. Elizabeth was a relative of Mary. He was the father of John the Baptist. And when John was born, just a few months before Jesus, he said, he sang the Benedictus, which means benediction or blessing. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people to show them mercy promised to our fathers. And to remember his holy covenant that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. So the gospel, the infancy narratives in particular, the beginning of the gospels, presents to us stories of joy and stories of sorrow. If you look on your own life closely, 
you will recall stories of joy and stories of sorrow. My own grief caught me by surprise. In general, I am a happy, healthy, strong-willed, motivated, focused individual. But the stress of multiple deployments and multiple combat losses caught up with me as a chaplain and overwhelmed me at one point. I wanted to get away from it, so I went for a motorcycle ride on my bike in the Dakotas, wide open spaces. I needed that freedom, that space, and that time to get away, reset, recalibrate, get my head right. And I remember one day riding along, and there's uh, bodies of water, lakes, that come right up against the highways. I'm riding along, and here comes a mother duck running out in, in the road. And guess who follows mother ducks? Anybody? Not chickens, but little ducklings. <laughs> so little ducklings followed the mother duck out into the road. I could not stop in time. And I pulled over and looked in my rearview mirror to see a couple of little ducklings, you know, flapping in the road. And it just sounds like, oh, what's the big deal? I mean, I go hunting down at Stillhouse Hollow Lake and shoot ducks for fun now. But at that time in my life... I looked in the rearview mirror and it just it broke me down because I was trying to get away from death and and trauma. And here I was out in the wide open spaces running over little ducklings. And I realized that I needed to go talk to somebody and get some help. And I did. And my counselor at the VA helped me a lot. She helped me understand that for most of my life, it's like driving through a national forest and you see the forest trees just they're beautiful. They're glorious they're majestic they're thick they're rich they're historic they've been around a long time but then when a forest fire hits that forest it could do considerable damage so i've got some pictures here uh this is from this first picture is from uh noah weather satellite and it's a view of the great fires in yellowstone and you see what looks like clouds are not actually clouds it's smoke from the fires so these massive fires and you can see great swaths of forest which have been damaged by these fires. The first time we went to Yellowstone as a family, I remember driving through there going, what happened to the forest? The fires did some significant damage. And it takes quite a long time for it to heal and recover. In the meantime, you, you look out and this is what you see. This devastation and it's kind of a sad feeling. But... Forests have an amazing way of regenerating themselves. Given the proper time and conditions, forests will regenerate themselves using the debris, the material which has been burned and fallen as nutrients, as nutrition to grow new forests so that the forest is eventually restored. So when you go to these great forests, you'll see areas that have been burned and areas that have regenerated themselves. And that, for me, became a great picture of how when we go through trauma, there will be swaths in our minds and our brains that are impacted and scorched. But given the proper time and conditions, we can heal. We can heal. And thanks be to God, given the proper time and conditions, love from my family, help from God, strength from my fellow soldiers, I've been able to reset and heal and carry on, drive on, move forward. But I needed to pay attention to my own grief and my own losses and my own sorrow so that I could get through to the other side and experience joy. 
For there is the promise of joy. That no matter what we go through in life, and there will be hard times. There will be hard times. That we, and we need to teach our children how to go through hard times. Rather than protecting them and isolating them from sorrow and grief and trial and trauma, it will come. It will come to them. Are they ready for it? Are they prepared? Most Americans, when we go through hard times, we complain. We cry out. What is happening? I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable. Why is this happening to me? These are the kinds of things that we say. Rather than hearing the words of James, chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you go through trials and tribulations. Whenever you face these trials of many kinds, because this tests your faith and it produces perseverance. And perseverance is what we need to get through to the other side. There are all kinds of scriptures in the Bible, especially in Isaiah, that speak about our, our sorrows turning to joy. Isaiah 49, 13 says, Sing for joy and exult. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted His people and will have compassion on the afflicted. Jesus in John 16, verse 20 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will meet, weep and lament. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. In John 16, 33, Jesus says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. So there is a connection between suffering and sorrow and persevering and joy. When we go through hard times, we need to surround ourselves with the people who love us, build that support network, and hold on. Don't just lay down and die. Don't just quit. Don't just give up. Be real about your sorrow and your suffering. Get help by reaching out to those around you and your support network. But hold on because the promise is that God will carry you through to the other side. Like I said earlier, the folks in Connecticut are not going to have a Merry Christmas this year. And maybe some of you will not. I don't know your circumstances. But there will be other Christmases. Life goes on. The Lord carries us on in this life into the next life. And along the way, we have ups and downs, joys and sorrows. But the Lord, who is constant and faithful, carries us through them all. The Gospel of Luke represents this dynamic of the highs of joy, the lows of sorrow. All throughout, you'll see stories, parables about joy and sorrow. In Luke chapter 15, if you want to turn there, there are three parables in Luke chapter 15 which illustrate stories of joy. And there are three common things in each of these parables. Number one, something of great value is lost. Number two, there is a great search made for what was lost. And number three, when they found what is lost, there's a great celebration, a party. All right? And I'm not going to read all of Luke chapter 15, but we'll just summarize it. The first parable is the parable of the lost coin. A woman, a widow has ten coins. And she's lost one of them. So she's lost a tenth of her retirement package, if you will. So something of great value has been lost. There's a great search. She calls all of her friends and says, help me find my lost coin. And so they sweep the house. They move all the furniture. They look everywhere, highs and lows. Then they find it. 
And when it's found, she says, let's celebrate, for I found my lost coin. And the next parable, there's the parable of the lost sheep. And what's that story about? One of the sheep is missing. The shepherd leaves the 99 to go out and find the one. Something of great value has been lost. And there's a great search. The shepherd looks all over the countryside until he finds that lost sheep and he picks it up, puts it on his shoulders and carries it home. And when he gets home, he calls all of his shepherd friends and says, let's have a party for I found my lost sheep. And then the third parable is about a lost son. And Jesus brings it home by telling this story about how a young man demanded of his father, I want my inheritance now. I've served you. I've worked for you my whole life. I want to go see the world, Dad. Give me my inheritance. I'm going to strike out on my own. Okay, son, here you go. So he takes off and he squanders his inheritance on wild living. He comes to his senses when he's at the bottom of life, eating food out of a pig trough. And he says, wow, even my dad's servants live better than this. I'm going to go home to dad. Maybe he'll take me back. So he goes home. and Every day, dad is out looking on the porch. Is today the day? Is today the day that my son's going to come home? And finally, his son comes home. He runs out greets him, hugs him, puts a robe on him, a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, and he says, slaughter the fatted calf. Let's have a celebration for my son was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, but now he's alive. Something of great value was lost. There was a great search to find what was lost, and there was a great celebration. And what's the point of this, these three parables? Jesus sums it up when he says, there is much rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents and turns to God. And so this is a picture for all of us to realize that you are of great value to God, that you, there's a great search that's been made for you and a great cost that was spent to redeem you, and that was the cross, the precious son of our Lord, the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that thirdly, there's great rejoicing in heaven and hopefully on earth whenever we come to faith in Jesus Christ. I want to illustrate it with my own personal experience. We used to go out to HEB campground on the Frio River in West Texas. And uh, what, there's, a, there's a place on the river, on Frio River, called Blue Hole. It's a be- big, deep area where it's so deep and the water's so clear that it's, it's blue. It's a deep, rich blue, beautiful part of the river. And there are cliffs on the side of the river where you can jump off the cliff, dive off the cliff into this deep part of the water and have a great time. We used to go spend the whole day at Blue Hole. One day, a friend of mine named Thomas from Austin just been married, and he was up on the cliff wearing his wedding ring. And when he came up from his first jump off the cliff, he was missing his wedding ring. So the ring had slipped off of his finger and fallen to the bottom of the river. Something of great value was lost. Oh, Thomas, we're going to help you out. We're going to find that ring. We all took deep breaths and started diving in going to the bottom of that river to find that ring. We couldn't find it. Well, a couple of buddies of mine mine had, uh, I don't know what you call it, diving permits. They drove into Kerrville and got diving scuba gear. And they came back out. And they spent all day long diving to the bottom of Blue Lake to look for that ring. And that evening at the evening meal, we sat down to eat. And the scuba guys stood up and they all looked down and forecast, you know, just... Defeated like they hadn't found the ring. But to our surprise, they announced, we found the ring. 
And there was great rejoicing because something of great value had been recovered. And Thomas stood up and all he could do was cry. Tears streamed down his face as, he re- as they recovered this ring. Well, I was talking to my scuba diving friends and I said, hey guys, what, what's up, man? You guys did a great job of like, acting like you hadn't found the ring. And they said, actually, Maury, we found it on the first dive. But we figured since we'd rented all the equipment, we might as well enjoy it for the day. <laughs> great story. You are of greater worth than a wedding ring. You're of greater worth than a lost coin or a lost sheep. You're like a son or a daughter. And every effort has been made to recover you. The gospel promises authentic joy. The angel said to the shepherds, and I'll close with this remark, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. May God bless you with a Merry Christmas. And if it's not so merry, may He give you the hope and the perseverance to drive through your sorrows and your grief because there is the promise of joy on the other side. God bless you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for coming into our world, broken, dark, to heal and to shine light and to save and to comfort. We pray that you will be our source of joy and comfort this Christmas season and into the new year. We pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.